The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. I'd like you to take your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, we're going to be looking at facing storms. Of course, uh, like millions of people, we've read the stories, the news headlines, we watched the pictures, we watched the devastation that left an aftermath of Hurricane Ian there in the west coast of our state. 150 mile per hour winds, deluges of water that just kind of flooded in, killing dozens of people and leaving countless many people homeless with no longer a home to live. I I saw this uh, one particular uh, person that survived the storm. Her name was Rhonda Mitchell. Uh, She uh, lived near a Baptist church and she said all she had left was her faith in God. She said, I just lost, I just lost my whole life, she said, beginning to sob, but I'm still here, but I just lost everything I own. I just trying to figure things out. I spoke to several friends that I have on the West Coast and they were devastated. I know of an administrator that has a large Christian school there. They were not able to open their school till just a week ago today uh, because of the destruction that happened on their campus. Living in South Florida, living in Florida, you get it here as well in the Panhandle. I think it was 2020 that Hurricane Sally came through and the other hurricanes that come through. You know, I I just mentioned, you know, it seems like Florida has on the back of their back hit me. And uh, for some reason, we do get storms and storms do happen. Life is full of storms, young people. Sometimes Jesus calls us into a storm. The good news is, He never, ever leaves you and I alone. He is with us when we go through those storms because we all face storms and we will face adversity. We will face hardship. We will face challenges. Following Christ does not mean we are exempted from storms. Storms will come and storms happen. Uh, Some of you might be going through a storm right now or you will be going through a storm in the future. But God will always be there. God will always be there to help us. Remember, James, he admonishes us that we should not be surprised when we encounter times of trouble, times of suffering. And when we go through them, we will follow Jesus. We will let him lead us through the storms of life. I think probably one of the hardest jobs that there is is to be a weather forecaster. You know, who wants to be a weather forecaster? You know, say, I think it's going to be 50 percent. I saw that tomorrow. It's going to be 50 percent rain. Now, if it rains, is that just 50% or is that going to be 100%? They're, they're, they're you know, weighing themselves. Well, I heard about uh, a Native American chief on a remote reservation out in South Dakota. And being the chief, everybody would come to him for advice. And they would say, chief, what is it going to be like this winter? Are we going to face a cold winter? He, w- he did not want them to know he could not predict the weather. So he left and he got a, made a phone call to the Weather Bureau And he asked them, what is the weather going to be like this year in South Dakota? They said, well, we believe it's going to be extremely cold. And so he comes back to his people and he tells them, he says, listen, it's going to be a cold winter. So he says, I encourage you, go gather some wood. 
A few weeks later, he decided to go once again to check with the weather bureau. And he said, no, 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 this is, we can guarantee it's going to be a cold winter. And so what does he do? He goes back to his tribe and he says, we better get some more wood. It's not going to be an easy uh, winter for all of us. And then finally, a few weeks later, the chief called the forecaster and again, and he asked about the update. The forecaster said this, we are now more than certain that this will be one of the coldest winters that we've ever experienced. The chief on the other end of the line said, how can you be sure? The forecaster said, well, the Indians are collecting firewood like crazy. (laughs) In our text this morning, we see Jesus and his disciples are planning to cross the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is actually a fresh water body. A beautiful uh, lake. I've had the privilege to visit there and uh, seven miles uh, wide and 15 miles long. Uh, probably a, a good, during that day, a three-hour journey to get across the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus had just finished up ministry, feeding the 5,000 people, and he urgently pushes the disciples on a boat to go across. And he says, I'll meet you on the other side. There's some background details of our passage in Mark 6, because really in, in Mark, we see two boat experiences. One it was a very bad storm that would have re, uh, tore their boat apart, and Jesus was sleeping in the boat. And he wakes up and he calms the sea. He said, peace be still. This particular storm that we're finding here in Mark chapter uh, 6 is, is not that type of storm, but it was a tough storm. There, there were these winds that were keeping them from really progressing and to get across. Normally a three-hour trip. It wasn't happening for them. You know, it's easy to get confused of the two stories. Uh, His disciples had just finished here in Mark chapter 6 ministry. They had come to a place and he says, we need to rest. And when they get to that place, there's 5,000 men and approximately 15 to 20,000 people gathered there. And Jesus never misses an opportunity to minister. Jesus never misses an opportunity to share the gospel. And he starts talking to them. And it goes into the late evening time. And, and now there was no Burger Kings or McDonald's nearby. They needed to do something special for the people. So, of course, Jesus says, what do we have? And we have five loaves and two fishes. And he feeds the multitude. And uh, now the meal is done. And The disciples uh, are coming to their savior, to Jesus, and he's saying, I need you to leave. And he pushes them out on a boat, and Jesus decides to go up on the mountain uh, and do something that was very important. He was going to pray. And he pushes them off into the ocean. Now, these were his experienced fishermen. They knew the sea. They had traveled it many, many times. I'd like us to read here in Mark chapter 6 the story, starting in verse 45. Mark chapter 6 and verse 45 as we pick up the story. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing for the winds was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and they cried out. For they all saw him and they were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith to them, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. 
And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to look to your scripture, to your word. And I pray, Lord, today that there would be something that we share, something from your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to this student body. May they know, Lord, that you are with us through all the storms that we go through and that you are messenger. You are the one that is going to protect us and help us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't have to tell you, but you understand exhaustion happens to all of us at one time or the other. We get exhausted from maybe just continuing working. Maybe some of you really working hard this past week as you were getting ready for maybe your exams and, and, and things. You worked another job and, and you stayed up the, the, the late hours and you were really, you were exhausted. And you just were beyond yourself. You know, sometimes it's because foolish things that we have done that we get exhausted we put ourselves in a hole and we try to frantically find, how can I get out of this? Uh, you know, I'm so exhausted because of what I've got myself into. But on other times, we're exhausted out of the product of faithfulness. Faithfulness. You see, the disciples here have been faithful. They had been going and doing ministry. And Jesus knew that they needed a break. He knew they needed to rest. And so in Mark chapter 6 and verse 31, he says, well, let's go here. And as soon as they come to this location, there is a swarm of people. And once again, they had to get busy. They had to assist Jesus in the ministering to those needy people. And they were tired. And Jesus knew that. And says, okay, now I want you to get in the boat and I want you to go across. You see, when we go through exhaustion... When we go through hard circumstances, when we go through intense responsibilities, it leads to real fatigue in our lives. Fatigue significantly will affect all parts of our body. We will we'll see that uh, fatigue will hit our mind. Our mind will no longer be sharp if we are going through exhaustion and fatigue. Our body won't work like it ought to work because we have pushed ourselves beyond measure. Storms also affect your will, and we become dull, and we become numb. So what do we do? Well, in the moments that we have, our text reminds us more than anything, what do we do? We need to understand that you and I need Jesus in the difficult times. We need him. And so here Jesus presents him as the agent of encouragement, God's agent of encouragement. And as you go through storms, Jesus intends to encourage you. He says, you know, the world hates me. It's going to hate you. And because of that, I will be there and I will help you. The first thing I want you to notice is found in verse 48. Uh, during storms, Jesus encourages us by drawing near to you during your storm. You don't go it alone. You don't battle storms by yourself. He is always with us. It says in verse 48, and he saw them toiling and rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and he would have passed by them. Jesus saw their struggle. Jesus knew that they were going through a hard time. The language here makes it very clear that Jesus insisted that the disciples get in the boat. Mark and Matthew really don't give us an explanation why he was considered it urgent that they leave. 
But as we go to the Gospel of John, in John chapter 6 and verse 15, we find as you read there, the people wanted to make him king. And it wasn't Jesus' time yet. It wasn't the opportunity. It wasn't the time for him. And so he says, we need to leave. You need to get out of here. And I'm going up on the mountain. When you and I walk through storms, we never see the whole story. We don't understand. And you know what? We'll never see it completely, this side of heaven. We won't understand and comprehend. But we can trust that Jesus sees and that Jesus knows. And in the midst of the storm, in the middle of our storms, Jesus sees you. He's aware. He knows you. A life lesson that we need to help and understand here is that Jesus sees us and prays for us in the midst of your difficult times. I don't know, maybe some of you today are going through some storms. Maybe some of you have had some hardships and difficulties that are going on back home. And you're here, you're doing your studies, preparing for whatever God has for you. But it's hard on your heart. But remember, the Lord knows. He is there to help you through it. He's there to give you encouragement. You know, some of us might be wondering, did Jesus really care for his disciples? Why did he let them go out into a storm? Jesus knew the storm was coming. He understood that. And we, we see that, uh, in fact, he was one that made them get into the boat. Jesus doesn't pray for us to avoid the storms. He prays for us to endure the storms. It's during those storms that you and I become stronger. It's during those storms that God strengthens us and we draw nearer to him because he's with us through the storms. We're told that halfway through their journey in the lake, there was a strong headwind. And it was totally dark, probably around the hour of 3 a.m. in the morning and probably the darkest hour of the night. Just as the disciples... Last strength was about to give out. What do they see? They see Jesus come walking on water. First of all, they didn't know who it was. They, they thought it was a, a spirit. They thought it was a ghost. They were afraid. But he continues to walk past them. You see, the wind was more of this headwind, and they were trying to make headway. The, it was against them. They were great, a group of fishermen that were seasoned. They have done this before. This wind was even stronger than winds that they had experienced in the past. Even the strong fishermen were, were really toiling. In fact, we're told that they got halfway there, and that's when the winds really picked up. And the next four or five hours, they got nowhere. They could not advance. And they just kept rowing, and they just kept moving. Imagine what was going on in that boat as the disciples struggled. At first, when that wind would pick up, it was no big deal. Guys, these were seasoned fishermen. They, they knew what they were doing. So they were probably in this situation before. Although the wind would become harder, they had always been able to push harder back. So they weren't concerned. In fact, they actually made progress during those first hours. But by now, the disciples were really getting tired. They were getting exhausted. And you know what? The less experienced one, because not all of them were fishermen, the less experienced disciples started to complain. Hey, we need to take a break. We need to stop. And those experienced seasoned fishermen said, you wimps, you, you, you can do this. Let's go on. And then frustration started to lead in. They're saying, you're not pulling your weight. Finally, the bickering continued. And then for the next seven hours, they struggled against the winds. 
Finally, they all were exhausted. Finally, they were uh, beyond themselves and their muscles aches and their hands were blistering. And they worked hard, but they had nothing to show for their progress. They were stuck. And then at that fourth watch of the night, Jesus comes walking on the water. On the water, he shows himself. He proves himself. At the right time, Jesus always comes in to provide strength and encouragement and help for us. It says that Jesus comes to them walking upon the sea. Yet something else is going on here. He's walking on the sea, but he would have passed by them. Did Jesus mean to be cruel, just walking and going past them? He sees them straining. He sees them fearful. Of course he wasn't being cruel. That's not what his objective was here. Something else is going on. Mark is trying to show us who Jesus really is. You recall that Herod had asked the question, is this Jesus, John the Baptist? The rumor was he could have been one of the old prophets or Moses. You recall that the question came up, who is Jesus then? Of course, in the Old Testament, we have some clues. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses was completely exhausted. He had performed the the 10 plagues and did the 10 plagues. He took the people over the Red Sea and he had a stiff-necked, hardened heart group of people just complaining and complaining. And in Exodus chapter 33, we says that he went up on the mountain of Mount Sinai and he told the Lord, Lord, if you don't go with me, I can't do this. And the Lord assured him that he would go with them and he would move forward with them. When he heard that, God gave an amazing miracle in his life. He put him in a cleft of a rock. And there in the cleft of the rock, he passes by him and he was rejuvenated. He comes down off that mountain. The people could not believe what happened to our leader. He is so shining. His body is just putting out this radiance. Moses was able to fulfill and finish his responsibilities because God rejuvenated him during his storms. I think of Elijah, you know, the similar situation in 1 Kings chapter 19. He'd been going to bat for God for countless amount of time. It it, it had been draining. And there's this great battle between Elijah and the the true prophets of God and the prophets of Baal. And you know the, the outcome. Great victory. It seems it was a high point for Elijah. But just wait, the wicked queen Jezebel. She comes on the scene and she says, you are going to be murdered. We're going to have you killed. That's when spiritual depression set in Elijah. Instead of trusting God during that difficult time, he runs and he gets to Mount Sinai and he climbs a mountain and he's so fatigued and he's just drained. He's exhausted. And God comes and feeds him through a raven. He gets rest. But you know, sometimes food and rest is not enough. Sometimes we need something more. And so that's what exactly we find in 1 Kings chapter 19 that we see how God revealed himself in that chapter. In verse 11 of 1 Kings 19, we read this opportunity, this experience that he had. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and he stood in the entering into the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? God visited him with that still, small voice. When you are going through struggles, when you are going through storms, the Lord is there. And he will whisper in your ears just like he did for Elijah. He will appear just like he did for Moses. And he will show himself. God revealed himself through that small voice. And you know, God, just as he revealed himself to Moses and to Elijah, God was showing the same in Jesus. Just like Moses and Elijah, Jesus goes up on a mountain to pray. But unlike those two, he comes down as a true prophet, but he comes down as Yahweh. And the very first thing he had been seeing his disciples toiling and struggling and he goes out to join them. Jesus doesn't want to be our prophet. Jesus doesn't want to be some type of leader in our lives. He wants to be your God. He wants to help you. He wants to encourage you. But you know what? In their struggle, they still didn't get it. So we see a second thing here in verse 49. He tries to reveal himself in speaking life to us during our storms. It says, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit. And they cried out. You see, they see him walking. He's on the sea, something that they have never experienced before. So we see in verse 50, in the middle of verse 50, it says unto them, be of good cheer. It is I. It is I. Be not afraid. What is he saying? He says, be of good cheer here. It is I. Take heart. Don't be afraid. He uses the Greek equivalent of what we find in the Old Testament when Moses asked, well, who should I send that sent me? The I am. He gave his personal name to the disciples. Don't fear. I am with you. He gives life to them by saying, it is I. It is I. Be of good cheer. Imagine Jesus coming down off the mountain after praying and walks on that water and he looks at those disciples and he says, I am. Students, we have that promise. Just as those disciples experience it, we get that same privilege. He wants them to know exactly who he is. He knowing exactly what they needed encouragement. Praise God. He's willing to do the same for you. He's willing to do the same for me. Jesus' words to us in life, he speaks. He wants us to center him in the middle of our storms. He doesn't want us to focus on our struggles. He doesn't want us to focus on the storms, but he wants you and he wants me to focus on him and him alone. You know, when we're in storms, we must make it our practice to tune out all the other distractions of the world. And we need to tune into the voice of God. And there are a lot of uh, distractions. Social media, uh, television. Those are not where we need to turn to. We need to turn to his word. And let him speak to us through the word of God. That's where we will get a help. We must still ourselves, be still and know that I am God and see his very present. What does he do? He intends to encourage us. He intends to encourage us by drawing us near to him and revealing to us by speaking. 
But notice there's a third thing in verse 51. The third point I want you to notice here in our passage in Mark chapter 6, verse 51, it says, And he went up unto them into the ship. And the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they wondered. The disciples cried out for help. And the Bible says when Jesus climbed in the boat with them that the storm died down, and they were amazed. They were just amazed seeing what God was able to do. He speaks to them, and they still don't quite get it, though. He says, I'm not a stranger to you. I've been around you. He jumps in the boat to be with them. And he see, they see God's presence. It wasn't their faithlessness that brought them through the storm, but it was their faithfulness that brought storms into their life. They were doing all the things that God had called them to do. Yet they still found themselves stuck. But as you look at the last verse of our passage, it's kind of a strange verse. Look at verse 52 of Mark chapter 6. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. What didn't they understand about the loaves? The loaves were meant to reveal exactly who Jesus was. That's why he did his miracles. That's why he performed the way he performed. So that they would see that he was the son of God. But all the people wanted was more more food. They wanted to see more miracles. They weren't seeing him to be the son of God, the deity that he represented. Yes, in those five loaves, Jesus was showing himself who he really is. He's in charge of all the resources. He can feed everyone. He's also showing that he's not only the God that is in control, but he's the great shepherd that cares about their needs. But they still didn't get it. They had been with Jesus those three years and they truly did not understand at all. None of the miracles gave them understanding who Jesus truly was. What kind of miracle would it take that they would understand and would soften their hearts? Would Jesus have to die? And the answer is yes. It would be the death of the, of the crucifixion of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that would bring those disciples about. You see, they all scattered when he was arrested. They ran from him. But it was the death on the cross that opened their eyes. And they said, we've been with him all these years. We've seen the miracles. We've seen all that he's done. He's helped us in our storms and our struggles. But we get it. The cross is what it took for the people to really see that Jesus is the Son of God. Would you have stronger faith by seeing the multitude fed? Would you have stronger faith by seeing the crippled man walk or or, or many other uh, healings and diseases that he healed? Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 2 that it's the kindness of God that leads to forgiveness. The cross is the ultimate miracle. The cross is that ultimate miracle for the cross displays the love of God. It's the cross. It reminds us that you and I are sinful people and we deserve his wrath. We deserve to die. But it also reminds us we are valuable in the eyes of God that he gave up his only begotten son, that he came and took our place. It reminds us of that wonderful miracle. Yes, the cross is meant to show us the tender heart of God. 
By seeing the tender heart of God, it allows our hearts to be tender. It reads in 52, their hearts were hardened. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. But it was the cross that opened their eyes. Just like it opened your eyes and my eyes when we came to him and we realized what he did for us and took our place. And I don't have to experience the wrath of God. And I'm no longer condemned, but I'm justified. Just as if I've never sinned. Not because I deserve it, not because I'm good, but because of what he did for me there at the cross. The cross shows us the value of of the eyes of God, but the resurrection stamps out our victory. No wonder their hearts were hardened. It's the cross that was going to soften them. So to all the weary that need rest, look to the cross. Jesus draws near to us. Jesus speaks to us. Jesus joins us as we go through our storms. To all who are weary and need rest, we find it in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love Psalms 46 because it's a help when we go through storms. Of course, Psalms 46 in the first couple of verses, it reads, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. The very first words of Psalms 46 begins with, God is our refuge. No storm touches him. He needs no insurance policy because he reigns above the floods. He says God is our strength. He never loses power. He never loses fuel. It says God is our helper who is always found. He isn't helpless like us. He isn't stuck watching the things of the world. God is our helper who is always with us in the times of our trouble. The psalmist isn't in denial. He went through some great storms, David. But he says, God is my refuge. Heard about a pastor that was dislocated and had to move over to the east coast of Florida. He was in Boca Raton right after the storm. And he was in a hotel room and he was in the mall and he was looking, trying to get, uh, get the last minute news uh, of what's going on on his part of the, uh, of the world. And some other people walked up and he started talking. Oh, that's where I live. My church is on Sanibel Island. It's destroyed. And they were just shocked and they were just amazed to hear the stories of what was going on. And then a few minutes later, a store, a store employee came over. He says, I'm sorry, but I just have to ask you, why are you so calm? You lost everything, yet you seem so nonchalant about it. The pastor started to speak. Well, I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor. He says, I didn't get to finish my words. And he says, I get it. You know God. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.